It's an honor, sir. Thank you, thank you. Um, all right, guys, thank you for joining us. This is the uh, the first episode of Free Game. Um, out of the basement. We'll call this one Out of the Cave. Free Game Out of the Cave, episode two. Um, literally out of my basement. This is like a dream come true. We got uh, we got Jacob taking care of the audio engineering, and my special guest today is, is Dustin Schwartz, um, who is in from Pittsburgh, South Florida. Um, a man of many talents, and, and honestly, just like just like a, a helper. Like like um, I, I told you in Montana, and I remember you coming up to me in Lockhart, just like eager to help and like offer a kind word, which is really cool to see. And, and it's coming it's, from you that means a lot man thank you thank you um and me and dustin know each other from aubrey marcus's fit for service group who he actually joined um last year in in sedona and, and we'll probably get to that story but uh, he gave me a, a really cool question to kind of start and it's what do you see as a good purpose for your life man that is a, that is such a good question because we're members of fit for service because I feel like uh, I came to Fit for Service at a point in my life where I was, I knew what I was good at, but I wasn't sure that like I could own it and I could say like I'm a helper, like I like to help small business, and I believe one of the greatest purposes for my life is to do good for nothing in return, nothing expected in return, and not be good for nothing, so to speak. You know? I think you said to me you like doing good for the great, the service of greater good. Yeah, man. Yes. It's, um, which is honestly like that's like the the whole key if you can tap into that people don't realize how much power is in that yes and and as somebody who's a serial entrepreneur just from talking to you briefly basically like four or five different businesses yeah and not big ones you know like I didn't set the world on fire but like for me it was epic how um, have you always been that way or how did you get that way um I was a very incorrigible and difficult young man. I always had this like side of me that was nice and happy. Like my heroes are, you know, maybe we'll get to that. But like, like I picked these like rough and tumble guys, like Geralt of Rivia, The Witcher. Like, but that's not who I am. Yeah, I've got an edge like that. But I've always been a sweet, nice person when it comes down to it. Um, but I was very undisciplined young, and through a lot of other stories that we could get into this time or another time, I. I was nothing is off limits. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I call this, this is called free game because it's free, unrestricted game, life advice, whatever. Nice. Um, So like literally nothing's off limits. I mean, I I fell into addiction young and uh, poor mental health. Um, That looked like, that manifested in going to a lot of institutions um, and having a lot of seeds planted. And I had a lot of good mentors when I was younger, but I, I didn't recognize that. I didn't recognize my father for the man that he, could be in my life. I didn't recognize my grandfathers for the mentors they could be in my life. But sometime between like the age of 25 and 31, I started to gain this momentum and this belief in myself that I could be an integral part in other people's businesses. And until I was 33, I didn't really think about doing it on my own. But like I always wanted to join a team. Like, it's always been a part of me. It makes sense. You, I mean, again, you come off as, as a team hopper. So like an example I'm giving is that's coming to my mind is after um, the Montana summit for fit for service, my house, we decided to have, um, um, you call it a party, but my wife and I, you know, we have our mushrooms, um, in in our church and we decided to host a ceremony and it was absolutely incredible, right? Like the music, everybody, there was like 30 to maybe 40 people you think at the house. Yeah, man. So there was a lot of opportunity for that shit to go sideways. So much so. And, like, um, the basement was the ceremony, and then upstairs was, like, the house party. And both parts were just vibing. And then whenever I'd walk upstairs, kind of, like, check on the vibe up there, I'd see Dustin, like, walking around, cleaning, or, or just doing something every time I came up there. And I just remember being like, okay, that's, that's like, the sign of a of good character. Um, or OCD. Or, or OCD. <laughs> yeah, Either, man. Yeah, but yeah. No, but I, I appreciate you. For sure, man. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of ties in. So you're down here helping your buddy that... You said basically like a brother. I don't know yeah, if you kind of want to give that story. Or... Yeah, so the reason I'm in Atlanta um, originally was, um, as I told you, something I've been looking forward to doing for a while. I have a, I'd say, young brother. He's certainly a man. He's been a man for many years. I mean, this kid ran, uh, I call him a kid. He's 25 years old. He ran a landscaping company and founded a landscaping company when he was 17 years old. But I came down here 
to start a roofing company with him. Um, he's built a couple other ones. There's a successful roofing company that still exists here in Atlanta where he built probably 20% of their sales and certainly trained most of their salesmen. And he asked me for a while to work with him. And we got to the point where we knew it was go time. And for the last six months, um, I've been thinking about this and looking forward to it. And for four or five of those months, the entire time, he's like telling me about how, you know, how well he's lining his life up, not just so I could work with him, but so that he could be successful. So I guess I'm how doing something he right. He's 25 years old. He just turned 25. And how old were you when you got clean? Uh, the first time that I, I got clean in a way that um, lasted for more than a month or like a couple weeks, 24, 25, his age. That's kind yeah. of what I imagine we said, like 25, 31 is when you and your dad changed. And that's what, in my mind. I connected yeah. those dots. Yeah, man. Um, so how is that? Obviously, from talking off camera, that, that seems like something that you're still involved with, at least visiting facilities and stuff like that mental health man mental health yeah tell me tell me about that journey like oh dude it was such a strange one and it's it's still one that i'm kind of like going through the library in my mind and opening the books and like wow that happened you know constantly and um i fell into um using uh i suppose the first drugs that i was really using were the dexedrine and ritalin i got put on when i was 13 what's dexedrine dexedrine is like a super version of ritalin okay. they rarely prescribe it anymore because it's near meth that was like the mother's little helper that a lot of women t one of the mother's little helpers a lot of women took back in the 50s 40s 60s like is that like requiem for a dream with the mom's on pretty close uh, if she wasn't taking dexedrine she was taking something very similar because there was no adderall back then um I think I can't remember when Ritalin came out, but Dexedrine's been around for a minute. And uh, anyway, um, I get put on these medicines when I was younger, and I didn't think anything of it, but um, that really kind of set me on a path to start abusing things every once in a while. And um, I found marijuana when I was about 16, 17, and I was like, oh man, I'm in love with this. Perfect escape. Um, kind of tumbled it out of control with partying, lost my aspiration with a lot of things. And by the time I was 18, 19, I was messing around with Oxycontin. Um, that spiraled into a physical addiction. Very quickly, you lose all choice in the matter, like you have to do. Um, fell into snorting heroin. The tolerance went up. I started shooting heroin. What is, um, I didn't know people even snorted heroin. What is, uh, yeah. when I was living in South Florida, when I was bartending, um, I, I worked at a spot called Louis Bossy. Louis. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, you know what I'm talking about. So yeah, man, a few of them. He would hire a lot of guys when they would get out of the houses and try to be clean. So a lot of my friends would tell me some fucking wild stories. Oh, bro. Um, about, like, shit I didn't even know was possible. But they would just tell me wild stories. Um, I didn't even know people could sniff heroin. Yes. And even, uh, well, in some parts of the country, um, back when there was more heroin and less fentanyl, it was black tar. So that might be one that, like, people didn't think they could sniff. But... In the Northeast, it came in glassine envelopes where it was a powder, okay? So it seemed more innocent than, you know, using a needle. But eventually, you're spending a few hundred dollars a day to keep up with your habit because those are short-acting drugs. Those are short-acting opiates. And you inevitably build a tolerance no matter what you try to do. It's almost, impo almost impossible, not impossible, but almost impossible to not build momentum with that tolerance because it's not a long-acting drug. So with the physical addiction, um, what is, what's the proper term? Is it cleaning out, getting clean? What does that look like? Um, it looked different at different times because that, that's, um, that's a subject that in society has constantly evolved. So treatment centers, when I first started going in them, they were very old school. Almost like the the Michael Keaton movie, Clean and Sober, if you've ever seen it, where you go into treatment and it's basically 12-step run. I mean, it's not an AA facility, but if Alcoholics Anonymous didn't exist, I, I feel like they wouldn't have a lot of substance for their treatment center because it's almost all based on what the 12 steps believe. So you start talking about abstinence, you start talking about spirituality, you start focusing on cleaning house, um, you know, ridding yourself of all of the emotions, the thoughts, the resentments that stand in the way of you looking at the damage you've done to your life and the lives of others. And then you start to address that stuff. You start to make yourself, um, 
you start to take pride in yourself because you start cleaning up the mess of your past simultaneously becoming of service and becoming a part of a community in a way that gives you hope and purpose because getting clean um, is about fixing that mental health. I believe addiction is a symptom of poor mental health Though we didn't call it that back then. For sure. For sure. That's it. That's it. It's cool to hear that because everything, um, everything's always connected, right? Like, and obviously you know that. And I think a lot of people are starting to become aware of it, but it's interesting to hear like how, when you start cleaning those things up, then you start simultaneously cleaning yourself up and then you see the connection with that and you see the connection with like others. Yeah, man. And it's um, obviously our, our school system, and I used to be a teacher, um, so oh, this dude. is something that's like really near and dear to my heart, right? Um, and I became a teacher because my synesthesia, red dot, went to the word teacher, and I was like, okay, I'm going to be a fucking teacher. And now it's like, oh, I want to have a sacred school. Knowing your energy, yeah, that makes so much sense. So um, actually, like during the ceremony in Montana, <laughs> I was like anointed by soul Dr. Nick. But like getting like the sacred school, which is this is all in conjunction with, um, and my wife and I we want to eventually homeschool and stuff. But it's imagine if in health class you saw the connection between things, or ah, oh, dude, you're saying you're preaching to the choir here. It's it's so interesting, and and I unfortunately know several people who have overdosed, especially with fentanyl. Um, in 2019, two good friends alone. Um, so you would imagine that there would be a bigger push for people to see the connection of things because people's kids, right? Like yeah. not, if not for themselves, but for their kids. And I guess you don't know what you don't know, but like, how do you think that that message, not the fear, cause that won't work, but the message of like connection and, um, there's a verse in the Bible. It's like, they see, but they don't see, they hear, but they don't hear or understand. Yes. Right. It's like, how do you see, beyond with your earthly eyes but your your connection i hear you talking about the fact that like we sense the synchronicity we sense that at times but almost like we put our blinders on yeah right like how do you like really bring that into school yeah yeah teaching the language of the world like boyd vardy yeah yeah like dude and i love that you brought up health class because i had a life skills class that was basically health class throughout high school that it was it was like a broken record on repeat of the same stuff all year every year man like they would teach us the same say no to drugs stuff which only made me want to do drugs more every once in a while they'd bring up a topic like sexual harassment or something like that but it usually didn't get taken serious because the mood was already so tainted by how little they were being efficient with what they had to work with and if imagine if you took that class and you just turned it upside down you turn it on its head like one example right Let's sit down today and let's teach you, if you choose to use drugs, how you should address this, you know, versus no, not at all, because no, not at all doesn't exist. (laughs) Right. The first time I drank, I made a mess of myself. It would have been nice to get a little bit of a pregame, quote unquote, pun intended, a little pregame, like explanation on like, how can I walk into this and not embarrass myself or hurt myself? Right. And as you're saying it, my, the answer, I guess, kind of came to me right it's like you have to have the right people and it has to be a, a kind of different curriculum like imagine kyle kingsbury teaching health class oh dude i would love, Bro, you I would love my kids to learn from him are you kidding me that'd be yeah. the greatest right like or having you know um somebody that's actually done things coming and teaching like economics yes but, but again how do you do that and how do you incentivize it and then how do you pay for that is the question and then if it's state run is that what they really want Gotcha. Right. And I don't want to go down the whole conspiracy theory on that, but um, John Dewey and, and Horace Mann, a lot of the guys that set up the schools, mm-hmm. I mean, they ha- they're quoted. That is not what they want. Right. It's, it's paid for by the state from taxes to produce a certain level of intellect, but not critical thinking intellect. Um, <clears throat> I have this little joke that um, from the times of the riots and stuff of like, you know, 2019, 2020, 2020, I guess. Cause I went back to Pittsburgh from Florida and like things were upside down. School systems were all screwed up. Like, you know, and there was this picture, or excuse me, picture. I took, I took a picture of some spray paint. Somebody put on one of the schools and it says riots are good. <laughs> and the A is an anarchy A and the R and stuff. And like, I, I found that so poignant. 
like that it was on the side of a school because our systems are failing us in so many ways, man. And what a great topic. So there's, um, have you ever seen, this is a really obscure film, but it's probably my favorite. It's The Education of Charlie Banks. No. Um, It's directed by Fred Durst, actually. Okay. Um, And it's, Jesse, Somebody I saw back in 1998. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, he's on man. top, right? Um, Jesse Eisenberg is like the main character. Okay. Um, it's before he's real big, but it, it's good. And the, there's this, he goes to this college and there's this whole thing and everybody kind of has to do the opposite of what they traditionally do. It's like the moral of the story. But um, they're talking about, it's called creative destruction or constructive destruction is um, a economic theory from Joseph Schumpter. Gotcha. And in it, it says capitalism will work and does work because it's the only system that allows itself to cannibalize itself and then basically shit itself out in a more effective form. Okay. Um, Generations but, continue to persist. Right. So like if you have a broken system, it allows itself to consume the system and then come up with a better system. Right. So the like, lifeline, the, the ancestral line doesn't stop just because of the failure. Yes. So it's like, all right, so... I would like to think most people can acknowledge that the system does not seem to be serving us to the best it could, right? No. <laughs> like to be polite, and my friends that are still teachers, God bless you. Yes, but I think that they would agree for the most part. We're not optimizing the bright kids. We're not optimizing the kids that aren't quote unquote as bright. We're not. And and it's and it's not the teacher's fault. It's a system that that is just. We're trying to do one size fits all, and the one size is like a German 1800s form of teaching. That's like where our form of lecture and and interaction is. The bell curve should be for grading, not for who makes it. Yes, yes, right? And it's, I guess, we'll probably not get to the answer during this podcast, and maybe not even in the next five years, but it's definitely worth for people considering is like, what do we think is an ideal system? And how do we get closer to that? Gotcha. Right? Like, because there's so many good kids, especially now, getting caught up in drugs. Yes. Right? And then you obviously made a successful recovery. But I'm thinking of some strong dudes I know that didn't and that are gone now. Some of the strongest men I knew got a physical addiction to something. Like, they, like some of the greatest athletes I knew. Like from high school, some some guys that didn't even fail to like connect like I did, because I was an outcast in some ways, but I knew some guys that weren't, and they got caught up, man. And then with fentanyl too. Now, even if you don't get addicted, you could just one night of partying, and that somebody doesn't know what to do when they cut it, and you're fucking done. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely there's so much room for um, for things to be improved. And it, the question is, like, how, how do we get there, right? And I guess that kind of leads into, you know, my, my next question for you. What is your ideal life? Oh, man. I, could, I guess I could answer that in so many ways. And, and uh, it would all kind of circle back to the same concepts. My ideal life is the one I'm leading right now. Okay, In a lot beautiful. of ways. And it's just a continual evolution of that. Like, I live the life of my dreams because there's enough for me. Okay, to eat well, to do well, and I have the ability to help others with their dreams. And every once in a while, I get to be involved in um, something that you know is also mine. But my ideal life is one where I'm building community, like I'm building new friendships and alliances. That word ally, alliance, is huge for me. Um, I believe in we should be water to the best of our ability, except in alliances, like. I have to keep the same attitude towards alliances with everything. Like I am here to take less and give more. Okay. What, um, so what does alliance mean to you? It means showing somebody like b- business is a great way to use this example. Okay. Business for people that don't know, like business teaches you so much about life yes. and about who you're working with, the good and the bad. Oh, in, fa- in fact, here, I'll say this first before I, I talk about alliance. I have a saying that I use now based on uh, um, some of the businesses that went sideways, some of the lessons that went sideways. It usually was because of characters not matching up and maybe not being morally aligned. I don't need to know what your sex life is like. I don't need to know how you are with money. But if either of those two things hold some dark secret 
that you would not share with me no matter what, we probably shouldn't do business together, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And it kind of like runs along those moral lines. Um, alliance has a lot to do with that too, man. Like I, I see, and I've seen so many people, like I watched my grandfather get feasted on by, by people that took advantage of him after many years that he had success because he kind of was slipping, you know? That's something that comes to mind. Alliance is about um, what Kyle says. Like, how am I going to make somebody more whole just for knowing me than before they knew me, you know? Like, yeah. my role should be to make sure that you are at least more whole um, than you were before we met. And that's what alliance is. You, that might be the simple, like, hey, like, Luke, you know, we're friends. We're allies, man. And you know that you can call on me. That acknowledgement, you know, gives you something, I believe. Like, it's my, you don't have to take it, but I've given you something now. And I've offered myself. I've taken a knee, you know? Like, I've taken a knee to the king that is Luke. And it doesn't mean I serve you eternally and on everything, man. But, like, I'm here as your ally. I like that. I like that. And then, um, I didn't know Kyle said that, but that sounds like something he would say. Yeah. That reminds me of... I interviewed my father. I was mentioning about this. I slightly butchered his quote. But no, 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 but that's cool. Yeah. I got the concept of it. And my dad, um, it was like, how do you want to be remembered? And he, his memory, what he said was like, I want to be remembered as people's lives are better because they know Joe. His, his name is Joe. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, that's, that's Kyle Kingsbury, man. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I think of that all the time. Now, um, and I think that's beautiful business or anything or allies because it's sustainable. Yes. I think oftentimes people fail in business and I'm fortunate enough that I've had a successful I'm still doing well in business because I always take slightly less than I probably have earned and therefore I have more I can give yeah. and then I can keep my team eating, right? Yes. Because I'm, I can just make, I'm just not worried about myself, but like not in a reckless way. I'm not worried about myself and like the fact that I know I'll keep going. Mm -hmm. But if I have something to give, that I can make sure they can keep going yeah. and then the team can keep going. And it's a self-sustaining and it creates synergy. Yes. Um, I don't remember if we spoke about this before, but John Maxwell is always talking about So He's actually in Lawrenceville. Awesome. Yeah. He's like based in Lawrenceville. Um, and he chose this area, Atlanta cause he was based in Texas and he, his secretary did the math on the amount of time he spent in flight layovers cause he traveled so much. And I, I want to say it was like, he spent like three weeks in a year, like in layovers. And in Atlanta, it was the easiest place to travel to in yeah. and out of. Um, but in Synergy, he's saying, forgive me if I get the math wrong. And I spoke about it in the last podcast too, but it's, if one horse can pull 1,500 pounds, four horses together, it's not 10,000, but it's 30,000. Hell yeah. And, and that's like scientifically proven. And I believe that so much in so many ways because I've watched what happens, even with myself, more so than anything, when I'm around others, like I find my greatest fire when I'm surrounded by men like you, Luke, men like Jacob, like you get good recognizes good. Yeah. Like I believe you get a sense for it, like a dog, like a wolf, like Aubrey always uses that, uh, um, Aubrey Marcus uses that analogy about him being a lion, you know, cows, a bear, all these things. Right. I like to call myself a wolf, man. And like, I'm a wolf too. Yeah, bro. Like we, we sense, we know what somebody's about immediately. I don't, I don't think lions and bears are any different in that sense. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. sure they got it too. But I love the, I love the canine analogy. And I felt that as soon as I, you know, we were in, the, was in your presence and in the presence of this man, you can sense those things if you, if you really vet them out. And it doesn't mean that like, you know, we agree on everything or that like we meet on all planes, but you know you're good with something, man. Yeah, it's it's um, interesting, too. I, I always use animal analogies for people. Yes. Like, um, I'm not going to say his name, but there's this guy that I've done business with. He's an, an older man. I like him. But he's a turtle. Okay. Right? And so some of my partners would get super frustrated. I was like, dude, he's a fucking turtle. Like, you know he's a turtle. Yes. What do you get mad at for him for doing exactly what's predictable? Yeah. So you got to wait till the little piece of lettuce is out there and he gets excited and he'll go after it. And then other than that, he's going to move at his own pace and like you just got to know that um so when you can recognize what somebody is your ability to work with them and understand the team dynamics i mean speaking of team look at the nuggets like you know right? it's, it's all a team, team of role players man yeah like, yeah now they got some guys that are practically superstars because they've just stepped up to the plate like murray oh my gosh like dude the performance he put on in the last 
several years since the bubble. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful to watch. And even their superstar, Jokic, he was the last chosen for the starters of the All-Star game. Which is like really saying something, right? And it's it's a beautiful thing to really think about too. Um, the Warriors became superstars. The Nuggets have that potential right now. But in an era of superstars going to super teams, the homegrown teams are the champions. The Bucks, the Warriors, and the Nuggets. Because you weren't talking about anybody except Giannis. And until nobody. they won until they got took yeah. fire, man. Now Middleton becomes this like great player in everybody's eyes like he was always great but he had to step up like that on that team and and you look at Giannis the warrior Giannis drafted homegrown built up doesn't want to go anywhere the Warriors Clay Draymond stuff homegrown drafted to the system grown obviously they got Durant for a period but they won before and after yes no what they the reason they brought Durant there was because they had proven themselves. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then now you get the Nuggets. Again, Jokic looks like he's going to be this superstar, despite his best efforts not to be a superstar. Mm-hmm. But um, it's that it's that same concept. Homegrown, him and Murray played together, just built up. And it's it's that synergy. It's that chemistry. It's the, uncal- and the incalculable. The, that difference is what makes the difference. And it's and it's. I guarantee it's more enjoyable to them, right? Like these other teams, I would have to imagine, like the Lakers, you know, like a lot of these teams, there's not that real camaraderie. And camaraderie is a term. Oh, dude, I love that word. It's um, That's another one like alliance. Yeah, yeah it's, it's 100%. speaking my language. It's, um, I talked about this in business, actually, just talking about it the other day. It's not built during the good times. No. It's, um, it's a Russian military word, like somebody you're in the foxholes with you're in the trenches with like Zach, I got my back when like everything's going down. Yep. Okay, cool. How do you show up when your life is threatened? How do you show up when your happiness, your comfort is threatened, you know, but at the same time, others are threatened, right? You know, that's the difference when you realize when you're able to realize that others are threatened and exactly. How do you show up with that? And then on the opposite end of that, which oftentimes doesn't get looked at, um, Abraham Lincoln has this great quote and it's most men can stand adversity if you really want to test a man's character give him power 100% and you see that on the business side all the time or like some of these superstar teams they start doing good John Morant <laughs> the greatest shadow comes from that ego man right yeah right. yeah. And maybe not the best version of the word great <laughs> yeah and it's you know it's right on the precipice of that and then Again, I'm not trying to knock any young kid, but I can't believe Ja got caught with the gun again. Just like, kid, what are you doing? Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> like, like how many, you know what I mean? You're like, not wrong to bring this up because this is what's wrong with the world today With when you're talking about education and our youth. Like, what they're allowing to influence themselves. Right, right. And in music, um, I mean, I was mad when I watched the interview with Jalen Rose and John Wright, and I was like, yo, Jalen, why are you giving this kid such softballs? Like, uh, you're not you're not helping him, right? I love Jalen, but Jalen's got a chip on his shoulder he's still trying to free himself from. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and he's like, and it was like, yo, you're not helping this kid. And then little, again, nobody wanted to like, somebody should have pulled him in the corner and been like, yo, kid, you're going to fuck this up. Like, yeah. stop it, right? But then because nobody wants to say anything like that, now he actually did fuck it up. Yes. When it could have been avoided with the first slap on the wrist, somebody pulled him to the side and be like, yo, man. What I noticed was that they were getting him therapy from what everybody was broadcasting. For like a week. Yeah, but you didn't hear anything about how he was going to all of a sudden take, own this mantle of like, how I'm going to be the example. Not just like how I'm not going to do this again, but how am I going to go in the complete opposite direction and own this mantle of this other identity, you know? Like, the shadow is that guy that wants to carry the gun, so how are we going to be in the light? Right, right. And it, it was such a learning opportunity that Jalen Rose, John Morant, and all these people just dropped, right? The interview with John Morant was like, I don't believe in violence, I would never carry a gun. And it was like, first off, you posted a video of you with a gun. Nobody yeah. set you up, right? Like, And then it was like, you beat up a 17-year-old kid. 
Again, maybe you believe in power, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe it's not violence, but it's still bad power. Yeah, know? but it's like you beat up a 17-year-old kid, you threaten, like, there's, like, all these different, like, examples of, like, that he didn't get called on. And I'm sure in the back of his mind, he's like, oh, I can just get away with this, because why wouldn't he think that? Yes. And it's, um, so, like, what was an example of a moment that really changed your life? Oh, man, so many of them. And... I'll choose one because we talked about my age of 24 to 25 and you and I both have a huge connection to Austin that's just growing. I was sent to, and this wasn't the thing that changed everything, but these are the seeds that are still coming to fruition. I met a man named Mark Houston when I was 24 years old. I got sent to Austin, Texas. My mom saw Mark Houston on Dr. Phil. Mark had founded Burning Tree, which is this treatment center that you have to, it's a year minimum. It's still open. In fact, some of the guys that used to work with Mark still work there. Mark passed away in 2010, um, unfortunately. But before he passed away, in 2006, he founded Mark Houston Recovery Center. And I got sent there. And I spent more time there than anyone. Um, I set the record, at least at the time. Maybe somebody broke it after. But so I was the there record. eight months. <laughs> okay. And, which is not a long time compared to some guys that get incarcerated. It was a cushy place. But it was run by a former Vietnam vet that believed in waking us up at 6.30 in the morning, and sometimes 5.30, you know, like, and we did cook crew, we did work before we ate, like, we had to spend an hour every morning, like, weed whacking, or, like, you know, pulling weeds, or, like, cleaning the house, and, like, he brought discipline and love in a way that was tied into the spirituality based in the 12 steps, but more than anything, he showed us what a man could be. I just thought of something that ties back to the beginning of the podcast. First off, um, how did that make you feel, and how did that make you feel connected to the? Did it make you feel connected to the place you were cleaning? I'm assuming. Oh man, it it it. I had been working hard many times in my life because we grew up in family business, our family, and uh, I, in all the time that like I was told to do something, whether it was let uh, shovel asphalt, help with flat roofs, um, pull weeds, you know, like on our properties and stuff, man. It didn't mean anything to me. But when Mark had us do it as a team and we brought the elements of spiritual mirror, as he called it, like all these, like, let's look at ourselves uh, times in therapy. So like, teaching, like you were talking about better teachers, like they were teachers, man. These were guys that understood how to bring things in like a great teacher in high school and keep you, keep us engaged. So that's where I was going to tie it back into the schools is um, what we've really come to realize is anything sacred that you treat sacred. Shaving could be sacred if you treat it sacred. Yeah, man. Um, and now you I'm... You get I'm, to shave. You get to shave. That's the language Mark taught us. You get to do all these things. Correcting the have to. Yeah, yeah. And it's wild, right? So um, Andre, Andre Carmack said this to me. He said, words are not descriptive. They're creative. Spells, man. Yeah, yeah. Your word is your wand. That's from yeah. Ra the Wizard. Um, this, this guy I interviewed on my podcast once. But now I'm imagining, how do we change the system? You have the kids. What if health class, they go and they take care of their neighborhoods. You bring like the entire school and then in detention is it. like you're bringing the kids and they're cleaning up the streets. They're picking up their, their weeding. They're doing um, landscaping. Now they're learning how to landscape. Yes. Um, I've heard, I haven't researched, so I don't know if this is incorrect, but I've heard lawns are like a modern thing. Um, before lawns were only for the rich to show off that you have all this land that you don't even need to use. Um, but before everybody, makes a lot of sense. They, yeah, it does. Right. Yeah. Before everybody had lawns, but especially that it takes maintenance. Exactly. It takes main, it takes time to upkeep and you're not getting anything from it. Yes. Um, other than aesthetics, which aesthetics matter, but so with inflation, poor nutrition, the land being treated like shit, imagine if everybody just grew a little bit of a crop. First off, now you could barter with your neighbors. And the only thing I think barter system actually works for is food. I don't think it works for anything else. Because um, I, in the spiritual community, I'm sure you've heard it from people before. They're like, oh, what do you need money for? And it's like, because who's going to pave a road? Yes. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like but for food, it's great. Hey, I got, you know, chickens, you got potatoes. Okay, cool. That that's much more comparable, but like to actually build a house, like how are you going to how many eggs does that take? Mm -hmm. Right? But um if you if and I have a friend 
he's actually um, the third member of my church. Uh, Matt Aarons, he runs Spring Lake Farms in Minnesota. And it's I think it's just an acre, but he can feed 400 families a week. That's a lot. With one acre. Because, because he's, he's so efficient with his land. It makes even more sense, like we were talking off camera before, why you want to go to the farm of Lockhart and learn this permaculture. That's what I want to learn. Because you were inspired. Exactly, exactly. And that's why I put him in the, in the church. And I was like, because I want to have all these things and I want to have the same way in business I've been able to put on for all my people. Yes. Um, I've just always been that guy. But now I want to figure out. So I, honestly saying that, I'm like, all right, cool. I think I have an answer for the system. Now the question is logistics and little things like that. But if you had the kids, first off, the kids would now be more attached to their neighborhoods. They would need a teacher like you, man. Like that's what, who alchemizes this? That's the question that comes to my mind, not to interrupt, but yeah, who it, alchemizes it? Because the great purpose, like when I went to Mark Houston Recovery Center, like you could have showed me all the same things. And if there wasn't that teacher, that guy like you, like there, like helping them connect, it wouldn't have alchemized. The seeds wouldn't have germinated. Right. Right. And I'm not going back to teaching. <laughs> God bless those that are doing yeah. it. But, uh... So back to what you're saying, excuse me. So like you bring them out, you know, like you've got them out, like, you know, trying to teach them to grow stuff is like one I, of the yeah. ideas. And I picture in particularly in low income neighborhoods. So the school district I taught in was the worst school district in New York State. Um, it's, which is weird. It's this Sy was in Rochester? No, Syracuse. Which Syracuse, okay. Is, which you wouldn't think. I don't know if it still is, but... It was in the school closest to the house I was living in at the time. I didn't grow up in that, um, but I was a 33% graduation rate. Gotcha. Um, and, but I'm just imagining if we took the kids and we cleaned up, first off, I'd like to think at least the guys that were trapping and stuff would have enough respect not to do shit when the kids are there, which they would. Yeah. Right? Like, like it's not fucking completely like ruthless, you know? And then the kids now have more of like commitment and then ideally that creates a ripple nothing's going to change overnight and anything that changes overnight is forced and will not last yes right that's why that's why John Morant's rehab didn't work it's five days or a week like how the fuck did he learn in a week and how did he alchemize that you know clearly who he helped who held his hand through something that wasn't a habit change for him yet right and everybody told him he didn't have a problem yeah versus being who was like, going to help him practice this yeah like all the shots he practiced Exactly, exactly. Versus just addressing like, hey man, you've been fucking up. You got a problem. Doesn't mean you are a problem, but you got one. Yeah. You're trying, you, the music, the vibrations, the messages, something is affecting you, kid. Yes. And like, you could blow it all. Versus the reactive system we have in the West, um, which is we treat the symptom, right? And, and, and that matters. Like, we shouldn't throw away the complete Western symptom, um, the Western philosophies, because look at the technology we have. Look at which a lot of that is attributed to the West. However, we're constantly just trimming the top versus getting to the roots. And I feel like a lot of Eastern mysticism, that's where the transformative, and then what I'm hoping to do with my church and with the stuff I'm doing is being one of the bridges, right? I like that. And, and interviewing people like you and all these other people that, that have these... A helper is a bridge. A if you is. ask me what I do, you know? Yeah, yeah helper is a bridge. bridge. You, you made... you brought beautiful words to that well it's, it's we're alchemizing it together yeah, um, and then and again the concept is bring all these different and i don't want to say we're going to do business wise down here eventually and then I, what i want to do is give opportunities to these artists and and all these things where i can give them money and it, i won't necessarily need it um and then sorry i just got caught Looks like the camera went off. No problem. Um, but it's just something that I believe we could really end up doing beautiful things with, and and that's why I want to, you know, partner or work with or ally with people like you because I see how you work and I'm like, okay, cool. That dude has a similar mindset to me. This is what I came to Fit for Service for to find people like you, Luke, like um, Aubrey and Kyle and Eric and Caitlin and Violana. They've created this container that we're lucky enough to be a part of and we're, we're, on, we're working on becoming alumni of, you know, we're in this course for a year, but what brought me there was a mix of things, but like coming out of the stuff that I needed to work on and that I was able to do so very early on, like I've embraced my role as an anchor and an elder as they call it. And I see you having the same role, my friend, 
Like there's probably some other aspects of your character that fill those other roles. And I came here to find, or here, I came into the community to find other people like me. Maybe to work on things specifically, yeah, yeah. or just like be the, you know, like, yeah, dude, do it, you know? Yeah, 100%. And get to see it happen, man. 100%. And, and that's the beauty of um, people like them getting what they have. In, in Lockhart, the last night when we were there, I remember specifically like, I want to say falling to the ground, it's like overdramatic. But like kneeling on the ground, the last night when that the concert was going on and all that, um, and what I, and I thanking God that Aubrey got the land that he got. Because I was like, yo, I want to do this, but I needed to see a blueprint. This couldn't have been done better than what they do in Lockhart. Like I can't imagine it being done better, or somebody really caring the way that they're doing it. And, and taking it like that. And I, I, I just remember being like praying and thanking God. So when I, so the spoken word I did before we got on, on here was about me getting the land and all that. I was told to get my people and, and to get a garden of Eden. And I was not the only one. And I told Aubrey, I don't even know if they remember this. I told Aubrey and Kyle, I was like, yo, I had this What message. a beautiful message. I believe in that one, dude. Yeah. yeah I don't think that was ego. No, I don't no, think no. that was shadow. Oh no, it definitely wasn't. It was like you're not the only one. And they had their place called the Gardeners of Eden. And I was like, Yeah, man. All right, this is like my blueprint of what I want to eventually build up. And then I want to offer them a spot that they can come and host events like whenever they want. And just give them like, Hey, I love what you guys are doing. Like I I'm about it. I can feel it. I can see it. Salute. And that's and that's one of the things I'm hoping to do. I love it. And I can't wait till you really realize what they've created with Gardeners of Eden, with Chad Johnson being there sometimes and his people being there the times he's not there. Like, you're going to have, I think, a lot of interest. <laughs> I believe that. And, you know, oddly, like the phone call I just got um, while we're in the middle of this is Ken Conti. Oh, uh, yeah, he's super yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Su and Was he an ancestral hunting or whatever? What's yeah, it? man. I'm going to that in November. Are you? Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm not doing the elk hunt because I've never hunted before. Yeah. But you want to talk about like a guy that grew up never hunting, like I have respect for guns and I understand them, and but I've never hunted. Right. Like one of our brothers is creating this ancestral hunting school. And yeah, for people that don't know who Ken is, get to know him if you get a chance because like you, Luke, he's one of those guys, and I've, I've made this submission to a few of the men in our space. With Ken in the community, with Luke in the community, yourself, you know, I... I worry about it less um, because I know that there are men guarding this and making this sacred as well as safe for others to come into and really use as a part of their the rest of their lives, man. Like, I feel confident that this is something that we've only begun to see, like, how it's going to take flight. Yeah. Like, with the dreams you're talking about and more because we've been a part of something and we've united with something where... We meet on the same moral grounds more than anything. Everybody has different interests, but imagine being a part of a group of 200 people where you almost all vibe on the same morals and ethics. Like, that's what it's like to be a part of this class, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And it brings me back to synergy, right? So if I was going to pull 1,500 pounds, quote unquote, yeah. you're going to pull it. Well, now we're doing so much more because we're working together. Um, when is the when is the November thing with Ken? Because I've been thinking about it, but I have so much shit going. It's up. right after Arcadia. So originally he had it scheduled for. Uh, it overlapped a little bit with Arcadia because I guess they were thinking about doing Arcadia in July again, but um, they moved Arcadia to November, which makes a lot of sense that it would be at the end of everything. Yeah, it's yeah. almost like a celebration at the end of yes. all this work we've done, and Ken moved it to the week after Arcadia. So it's a. Uh, I'd have to I'd have to check because I got so much going, but I'm pretty sure it's um, mid November, like twelfth, fifteenth. Okay, that's the flagship school, man. Yeah, dude, we'd love to have you. <laughs> I know I know he'd open it up again for a brother. Yeah, yeah, I, I might I might end up doing it. I have so many trips coming, and no one will slate you if you don't this but, year. But but it's a like must this, adventure. But I feel like know? this is the year because I think we're gonna try to have kids at the end of the year. So do the things now. So I got to just get the shit done. Because yeah. then after that, I'll be just be straight homebody. And then when you come to Full Temple Reset in January, man, it'll be the real preparation That'll be the kids, man. Your body's getting like all tuned up. Yeah, exa exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I think we're going to start trying in October. Oh, congrats, man. Like in Sedona. Congrats early, bro. And I think we're going to try in Sedona because we heard it's like a vortex and all that. 
That sounds um, like a beautiful place to to galvanize that magic. Yeah, yeah. So we're 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 definitely hoping. Um, and then I guess the last really good question because we've been referencing all these different people, and what's cool is we're fortunate enough to know a lot of these people. Yeah, man. But um, so who are some of your heroes? You referenced it. So this is a full circle. You started off kind of mentioning heroes, and we'll end with the heroes. Yeah. Um, so I have to say that I could talk about my father forever because this is a man that stood by me through so much. Uh, my mother was also a hero. She, she had a little bit more of a troubled life. My dad had a lot of adversity, a lot of adversity, and he was able to, to push through a lot of it. My mom's not, unfortunately not here anymore. I'm sorry to hear. Oh, that's okay, man. She's with us, dude. Thank you so much, dude. She's, I know you believe that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. My dad is certainly one of them. Anthony Bourdain okay. influenced me to go to culinary school, which I didn't even complete, but it changed my life, yeah. like connecting with people in the service industry. I feel like uh, Anthony Bourdain inadvertently taught me that I believe another thing that's changed about the system is you shouldn't be able to drink. Like you, sh- you should have a mark on your license that says you can't drink until you work in the service industry for at least six months. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, man. And uh, hearing you talk about what you want to do with traveling, and yeah, yeah, like our fit for service crew, man. Like inspired by Anthony Bourdain, that makes my soul sing. Yeah. And then a lot of other uh, heroes I pick from probably from fiction, man. Nice. Yeah. Have you read the Forty Ninth Mystic? No, dude. I'm reading it right now. It's, Sounds like my next book, it's bro. It's fucking incredible. Um, it's in Aubrey's top ten. I want to say it's number two or three. Okay. Um, it's so I'm somebody that already does this, and the way they do it is next level. Um, but I love reading the Bible, and when I read something that doesn't make sense, I go and look at the original interpretation or the original translation. Forty ninth mystic. Mystic. Um, so the famous verse: "Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand." Okay, so the word repent does not mean repent. Gotcha. It's metanoia. Change your perception. The kingdom of heaven is here, but you can't see it. It's meta. The word repent was metanoia. I watched the magic come out of you when you started explaining that, man, because of how deeply you believe it. Hundred percent, right? So, as a, with the mushroom church, and and that's why I also reference you see, but they don't see. Yes. Like people, and Jesus is always saying, you see with your earthly eyes. Yes. See the synchronicities. Or canine sense. Or canine sense, right? Or like when you do some of these plants, you're like, oh shit, there are other things that I don't see that are here all the time. Yes. Right? And, and for reasons we don't see them all the time, it's good. I really have to operate. But it's there, right? And it's, and it's all this, um, in my opinion, it's the most accurate interpretation of Jesus' teachings. And it's like, um, you know, it says like when Jesus says, you think I've come to bring peace, but I haven't come to bring the sword. And the sword just represents truth. I love it. Right? And like, in, I think it's Snow White. Because truth cuts through everything, man. Yeah. Yeah. And this is like the interlude to the next part. And um, Luke inspired me to mention something because it, you're so humble about like what you're doing and, you know, the humility shows. Um, and you mentioned um, when we were off camera that like, hey, you know, like, you know, I know that like, you know, a lot of pe- you were basically saying, well, I know a lot of people have podcasts, so I don't really care if this makes me money, sets the world on fire. Like, that's what I heard, you know, but like, I know this is an integral piece. I think it's I, I think this is like, duh, for somebody like you, man, like with all the things that you want to do and the help that you want to have. Um, maybe this doesn't become Joe Rogan's podcast, man, but at the same time, it's a perfect thermometer for what's going on man and it's this library that's constantly going to have an account of the progress you make like what better way to create an encyclopedia of your journeys and adventures man it's funny i was going um i was going over this with danielle this weekend because again i felt called to do this like not felt i've been called to do this um on several occasions and when i was originally doing it out of the studio I had a ceremony and God was like, yo, we're going to take your podcast big places, but it's not the right time. And then the Elohim are like, we're about to do it. But like, you know, I don't want to knock it away, but like, yeah, it was like, hey, we're going to do certain things. Yes. Um, I was talking to Danielle and I was like, Joe Rogan's my favorite, but I don't want to be Joe Rogan big because I don't want that much press. I I think one to 10 million in like an episode, which is a lot, but it's in the grand scheme of things at 330 million people. It's not that much. Gotcha. Or maybe if, let's say, one to 10 million in America, let's give me an extra 50 million worldwide. 
because I could okay. use that money. But like, but we'll say we'll just one in ten million in America, like dedicated viewers. I think that's enough that I could still walk around the neighborhood, and go out and be known, but not known like that, right? Mm-hmm. And like, and I could still stay low key in like a little town, and I don't. Certainly, I know. I don't give a shit how much money we make. Mm-hmm. Part of my offering to get the sacred school was giving up materialism. So to me, giving up materialism does not mean being. Bro- and I specifically chose my words. I didn't say money. I said materialism. Uh, intention specific. Because again, I don't believe the barter system and things like that work for everything, and I need money to do things. But materialism to me is getting a yacht when I don't need a yacht. Oh right. man, it's, I could talk forever about that living in South Florida. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody needs a yacht, right? Yeah. Yeah, maybe not. Right. <laughs> but and, believe it. Yeah, and it's not being owned by things either, right? Not having a bunch of debt. Which yes. is like, I want to, even if I'm a billionaire, I want to have this house. I want to not have more than I need, but having the money so that if I'm like, yo, I want to buy 300 acres. Boom. Dude, what a great subject. Like, how does a good man approach something like this? You know, it's okay to enjoy life. I really believe that. And I've wrestled with this so much myself as I've, you know, tried to find my purpose and really come to a specific intention with my purpose. And the more I listen to Eric, the more I listen to Kyle, the more I listen to Aubrey, the more I realize that there's this beauty in the muse, you know, what inspires us and enjoying life, like being able to enjoy life and do it the way that you want to be the, be the kid, be all those things. That's what feeds our muse at times, man. Right. It really helps the mana build up for that muse, you know. It's um, it's having the money to go to Egypt when you feel you need to go to Egypt. Yes. And not putting your family in danger because of it, mm-hmm. but not having the Lamborghini you don't need, yeah. right? Like to me, that's that's the difference. Because I was when I was like being anointed, so to speak, by Doctor Nick, Soul Doctor Nick. It was like, what do you much want? respect, Doctor Nick? Yeah, yeah, dude. He <laughs> can't wait till you hear that. He was doing his thing. He was like crawling on my shoulder and like just. You know, such like, a unique individual. Such a fucking unique individual. Yeah, man. There is no two of him. No, no, there is not. Um, but he was like, you know, for the sacred school, what are you willing to offer? And I sat with it, and I was like, materialism. And that, to me, again, is consuming and having things for the sake of having it, not that what you don't need. Yeah, man. Right? Like if I want to set this up for like a sound studio for artists to do things, well then I need dope stuff mm-hmm. for that and the purposes to give, right? Cool. Because you only have so much time when you bring somebody in here, man. Yeah. yeah. Being too frugal, you, you, you might like miss the opportunity to inspire. 100%, right? So I went all out. I got top notch. Honestly, I got nicer like mics and headsets and stuff than my studio. My studio was dope. But like... Oh, dude, I, I can only imagine the magic you were making there with your words. Oh my god! Yeah, was, if you haven't heard Luke's words, you need to. <laughs> I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna do a agape again, if you don't mind. Dig it, run it. Actually, I did that one earlier. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do Instagrammer. I mean, dude, I'm a big fan of spoken word and poetry in general. It's always been this practice. Actually, I was just talking to another fit for service person about that. It's nothing I've ever been very organized about myself. But when I see somebody that devotes themselves to it, like you do. And for anybody that's listening and isn't watching, Luke memorizes this stuff. He does reference it sometimes, but he memorizes it. And it's a lot. So I'm, I'm going to do a agape again. Um, I'm glad you said that because I was almost going to read one off my phone. But I, I used to have this one. I'll do a different one. I'm going to do agape. So you know the backstory. Um, but those that don't, it's a calling I got from God to create what's being created now. Um climbing a mountain of stone. That's when I got the message to create the garden of my own. So I've been looking around for sacred ground. I found a foundation that's sound. I call that sound foundation. Good vibrations, rippling reverberations into manifestation and salvation from the degradation of what's being taken and taken without retaliation. So I'm acting without hesitation. I'm replacing eons of war with conversation and plant meditation. But hold on, there's more. I turn every adversity into an equal or greater opportunity. Napoleon Hill got through to me. And Boyd Vardy, thank you. I've been tracking my path quite fluidly. And my enemy, what could they possibly do to me that can't take my way of life? It doesn't belong to them. And God's got me. So do the angels. You know, the guardians. And I sat with the Elohim, and they suggested the fat I could trim. And when a student's ready, then a teacher will appear. 
and I must be ready, because Hermes Trismegistus and Metatron are near. And to be a teacher is best to be a learner. To be a part is best to be a member. Creating a bridge, sacred school on how to live, Elite 365 is what I give. And I took the torch and carry it, lighting the way for more souls than Harriet. And I'm fit for service. And I know it's not going to be easy, but I know it'll be worth it. And feel my vibe, we're not losing. But there's a dragon waiting to be hatched, so I got to get moving. Because this is a movement of spiritual liberty. An extended moment of psychological clarity. Yo, I promise you, there's a whole world waiting on me. And we got a sacred fire going, so come and sit with me. I'll give you the magic potion so you can see what I see. And there's a language to the world. And my whole circle speaks it so vividly. And yo, the universe is waiting on me. Because I'm an eager, overachiever, strong, strong believer in everything I conceived of, like my middle name was Shiva. And I was destined to be a speaker. And speak of things that only the eternal could dream of. And dreams were only meant to be spoken from a prophet's mouth. And I had to go within so I could figure the way out. And there's so much more in store. It's agape forevermore. Dig that vibe, man. Thank you so much. And if I may say one other thing about being in Luke's presence to anybody that's listening. Um, when I get to hear you tell these stories, you know, and this narrative. There's so many Easter eggs like we were talking about off camera. Yeah, yeah. And before this podcast. There's so many Easter eggs that... And now because we spoke about the bridge, that's a new Easter egg for me. Yeah. Like you leave so much. It's so dense with these pieces you get to pull together and be inspired by. So if you are lucky enough to meet and know Luke, you'll understand as you, as you see and hear his dreams be manifest in this spoken word amazing. Yeah, I'm going to, um, by the end of the year, I'm going to release a spoken word album. What I'm really hoping is in 20 or 30 years, Everything I've written has either happened or seems to be happening. Um, like even the stuff with Hermes Trismegistus and all that, like it's like literally like Metatron's cube, like Metatron is here. Yeah, man. Um, stuff with that is what I'm really hoping is I can at least to my kids point and be like, yo, I did everything I said I was going to do. So, like to the point where I named this free game or the free, now it's the free game media. Um, because in 2019, I was called to have a podcast called Free Game. So like every time I'm like, oh, I got to honor what I was supposed to like and call it the way I called it or the way I thought it was going to be called. Um, and it, what it does is it, it creates that belief. And uh, oh, another cool thing from 49th Mystic, another really famous verse that I didn't used to understand or I thought I understood recently it, so the sound healer, has been saying like this verse all the time from the Bible. And it's like, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you, we have to be like children, right? So he was saying it's like the wonder of children because he's like born again because he like died and was, so he's like nine months old now, he says. And everything to him like makes him like cry and, and wonder and it's beautiful. He's very specific about this, huh? Yeah. However, in the 49th mystic, I like with the way they say it even better, they say in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to be like children. And what they say is, Yeshua means you have to be able to believe in things not seen the way a child can believe in a, a imaginary friend. That's what, again, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's like, yo, it's here. You just don't see it. And so I really like that. Like you have to really, really believe like a child, which again, faith of a mustard seed then moves mountains. So what does that mean? That means the faith grows. The, the seed grows into a that strong belief in magic, that childlike belief in magic, you know, that the thing that unfortunately we lose too much these days. Yes. Like Jacob was talking about with me about what it was like to go to you know school for media before the internet and stuff. There was more magic, you know? And there's more magic in a child's mind and, and perspective of the world. That's what I hear you saying, man. It's Yeah, and it, but when you have that, right? Like when you really can believe like that, you can literally... Because the magic's anything. real. The magic's you know? real. You got to acknowledge it. Yeah, and you have to... Magic's not real if you don't believe in it. Um, yeah, it's like the, the anti-spell is to disbelieve. Yeah. And then I, I like to believe um, in this video game of life. I like to think that this is God's dream or God's video game. And he gives you or she or it gives you the universe, whatever you want to call it, gives you exactly what you asked for. Yes. That's the greatest gift and curse. 
is you get exactly what you ask for. Oh, and, and how often people ask for things they don't realize they asked for it when it manifests, right? All the time. They, right? With the negativity. All the time, right? So yes. I'll see people, they'll be complaining about the patriarchy, the patriarchy, the patriarchy. Next thing you know, the patriarch is on them. It's like, yeah, that's what you're focusing on. Yes. <laughs> like, that's what you're asking for, whether you want to admit it or not. You brought it in. Yeah, yeah. You know, or it'll be like, they'll focus on whatever and they'll, they'll stick to these things. And it's like, um, oftentimes, even they'll get it and they won't even use it in a negative. They just don't realize. It's like we were speaking about before, right? Somebody asking for group discussions and then not showing up to group discussions. Yes. And it's like, fuck, dude, you're gonna miss the group. Like, you're gonna, it's gonna move past you, man. Like, come in, come and join the train. You're gonna be missed being seen in the way that you wanted to be, and the group has to make these assumptions. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, exactly. It's like you want to be seen, you want to be seen, you want to be seen. You're seen. Join the party. Like, the party's not coming to you. That's not how this works. Like, you got to join, come to the party. Oh, uh, you know, and we we've talked about like fit for service so many times man and it's something i've realized immediately about you that you get like the work is in our hands like they set this amazing stage for us but we got to write the play yeah you know? yeah yeah you know they they did some things they performed for us too but like now it's like all right here's the here's the stage what are you guys going to do with it and yeah and if you don't that's fine or if not you but if others don't that's fine but don't complain that the play only happens once every few months. Yeah, or that the the players that, you know, perform the first time aren't performing 24-7. They have lives, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You it's, know? it's like, hey, like, they're giving you the pen. You can you can write yourself in. Yes. Um, and it's, it's just an interesting thing. And my one of my biggest strengths is also one of my flaws, and that's usually how it goes. It's the same way I said, like, I, I bring my people with me, is it's historically been really hard for me to cut people off regardless of what they've done. Like, I'll be stabbed in the back, look the other, all right, it's cool, I'll address it, don't do it again. Lessons. But now it's like, all right, maybe you're just not ready to go. Yeah. And and that was kind of like with the Elohim line, is it's just like, if you want to get to where you want to go, not everybody's getting in the party. Like, not everybody gets to pass these gates. So you got to decide. And it's like, all right, I want to get there. So it's one of those things. Um, and you said you were in media school? No, 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 no. When I was talking to Jacob about him going to media school, yeah, because uh -huh. he went back in 1993, back before the internet had really taken over and stuff. I found it uh, so unique uh, to go through an experience of going to school in like something that allows you to tie into electronics and computers and all of that and cameras and understanding sound before the internet really took off. Yeah, you know? that was poignant to me. Um, the other thing that popped in my mind when you were talking about all of these concepts, man. Um, is that like as a helper you're a knight you know like I love that term you used a lot of uh, a lot of analogies about like you know serving like a knight and like I see you as a fellow knight on this path man and I really believe this other saying that I came up with moral code is the path to the knight's road and I like that dude you're walking that like you you found the path to knight's road on your own clearly at some point in time a long time ago yeah and knew that, like, this is the yellow brick road you need to walk. Maybe not everybody else is going to walk it. And, like, we were talking about El-Hahim El in uh, the gates. And, like, not everybody's going to pass through the gates, man. Like, yeah. not everybody's going to find the road, man. Right. Yeah, because it, it takes work. And it's not an easy road. And what I realized is everybody has to, but it doesn't have to be in this lifetime. You're right, man. Because, like, that was one of my things in Ayahuasca. It was like, yo, every, like, all dogs go to heaven. And I was like, all right, cool. So I got to make sure all my people get there. And it was like, oh, that doesn't mean it has to be this lifetime. Like, they might not get it this time. Yeah. Okay, cool. The forgetting. The forgetting. Yeah. And it's all we can do is do our best and leave the breadcrumbs and then find others that do and direct them to it. Another great analogy because, like, the breadcrumbs with the path, the forest paths, you know? Like, yeah. trying to find your way through the forest. When you sometimes can't see the forest from the trees, you know? Yeah. For yeah. the trees, rather. Um, I reference this all the time. So that's where I say, like, the out of the cave. Um, probably, like, almost everyone on the podcast will surprise you now that we are, like, at that time. Um, are you familiar with Plato's Allegory of the Cave? Yes. And not as well as Eric is. <laughs> but I love it when he brings it up, man. Yeah. Because I, had, I remember hearing about that in eighth grade the first time. 
and think it was so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So I've been obsessed with it. And when I first got enlightened, I don't want to say enlightened, when I first started on my path, um, I tried to force it on others, right? And that's like the sticking the fire in people's eyes and them turning Promotion versus attraction, as they would use in 12-step. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've never heard that, but yes, exactly, yeah. right? And then now I call it like the breadcrumbs. You just leave breadcrumbs. And like the synchronicities are God's breadcrumbs for you. Like he's like trying to lead you. Because I feel like if we were told our personal journey or our personal destiny, we'd fuck it up. Yeah. That's, what, that's why we're not told. That's yeah. the only reason I can think of. Because it'd be like, you have too much pressure. But like step by step, you start realizing it. I like that. And then, so God leaves us breadcrumbs. And the best thing we can do is leave breadcrumbs. And then, um, I'll go down a whole rabbit hole on that one. But That's um, okay, man. Another day, bro. Another day. Yeah. Another day. Um, but yeah, so this is... I believe that this is the actual end of Free Game Out of the Cave, episode two. Take that vibe. It was an honor. Yeah. An honor to be here with another night. Thank you, brother. Much love.